today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Do you ever think about how what you do affects the heart of God? You know that we all have this proclivity, this propensity to grieve the heart of God. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. But, you know, we always talk about, we flip this around about how God deals with us. You know how when somebody will say, hey, how's life treating you? I've had some fun with that one. Life's treating me horribly, but God is treating me wonderfully. We as humans, we're prone to causing hurt to others. Do you realize that when you sin, even God is hurt? Pastor J.D. explains today how sin grieves the Holy Spirit who lives within you. However, because your Creator is aware that you're flawed, He's willing to forgive all your sins if you repent and return to Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. First John 1 John 1.9, it's been affectionately referred to as the Christian bar of soap. I love this verse. If we confess our sins, that's all we got to do. That's all you got to do, Israel, Judah. If you just will confess your sins, John says, He is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Oh, you got, this is a good deal. This is a two for one deal. All we have to do is one thing, confess, and he does two things. That's a good deal. Two for one, right? He forgives instantly and cleanses, purifies us. All we have to do is confess. Let's talk about returning, repenting. So it's to do a 180. It's to have a change of mind, a change of direction, so that God can change your heart. He does the work in you, but He will never override you. When there's a genuine repentance that's birthed out of a godly sorrow, and you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against you. That's all you got to do. You don't have to, you know, pay for it. It's already been paid for. He paid for it. And don't let the enemy lie to you and say to you, man, you're gonna, that's going to cost you. What do you mean? What are you talking about? The cost has already been paid. And never let the enemy lie to you and say to you, man, that was, that was, whoo, that was, wow, wow. You know, I'd lay low for a while on that one. I mean, it's going to take the Lord a few days. I mean, I wouldn't ask for forgiveness right away, especially because I think I remember that you made a vow that you would never do that again. And, and you did it. And I just, I don't know, I see Satan will do everything he can to keep you from the cross, where that sin that you sinned was paid for. He doesn't want you, he wants to keep you, as Romans 6.14 says, Paul writing to the church in Rome, he wants to 
dominate and master us and crush us under the weight of the guilt and condemnation of our sin. And Paul says, sin will no longer have dominion over me. That is not the temptation to sin, which is not sin. Because if temptation were sin, and this is even hard to say, Jesus was tempted. This is not temptation. We're always going to have temptation this side of glory. The temptation to sin, that's not what Paul's talking about. He's saying it's the guilt and condemnation of sin that will no longer dominate me and master me and enslave me and keep me from the cross where forgiveness awaits. I need no longer be under the weight of that sin than it takes me to get to the cross. And Satan puts up all the roadblocks, I don't know, not so fast. Not, not this time, man. I just kind of, you know, I just give God some, you know, time to cool down, because he's, he's had it with you on this one. I, I'm just saying, I sure wouldn't go to church. My goodness, if the person sitting next to you, look at the person sitting next to you when I say this, but if they knew what you did, you know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, because all this is going to do is just make it worse, because this is going to show you your sin in 3D IMAX. <laughs> and the technology is even more intense than that now. So he wants to keep you out of the Word, he wants to keep you away from the cross, and he certainly wants to keep you out of fellowship. It's been rightly said that Sin will keep you from the Bible, and the Bible will keep you from sin. David said it in the Psalms, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against you, O Lord. And Satan knows that. And make no mistake about it, he knows the Scriptures better than you and I ever will. He knows Scripture, and he knows how to just kind of tweak it just a little bit. Nothing new. I mean, he did it with Eve. He just kind of repackaged it. I mean, why fix it if it's not broken? If it works, keep doing it. I mean, and it works, and he, he keeps doing it <laughs> all the time. And we keep falling for it, don't we? Comes to us, and he wants to keep us away from Jesus and forgiveness. Verse 14, return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you. I'll take you back. One from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And verse 15, I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Then it shall come to pass, when you are multiplied and increased in the land in those days, says the Lord, that they will say no more, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It shall not come to mind, nor shall they remember it, nor shall they visit it, nor shall it be made any more. Well now, what's this a reference to? It's believed that it could be referring to the kingdom age, the millennium, when Israel will ultimately be restored. Verse 17, at that time Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and 
all the nations shall be gathered to it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. No more shall they follow the dictates of their evil hearts. In those days, verse 18, the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel, and they shall come together out of the land of the north to the land that I have given as an inheritance to your fathers. Now again, this could be a reference to the kingdom age, but this mention of the bringing back together, there's no more northern and southern Judah, now you're going to come together and I'm going to give you the land, and Israel in 1948 would be regathered to their land, which would in my belief be the one prophecy that would push the fast forward button, as it were, on all of Bible prophecy and start the prophetic clock ticking when Israel was reborn as a nation in 1948. But, I said, verse 19, and again this is rhetorical, how can I put you among the children and give you a pleasant land, a beautiful heritage of the hosts of nations? And I said, you shall call me my father, and not turn away from me. Surely as a wife treacherously departs from her husband, so have you dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, says the Lord. Give me just a moment on this. I don't want to run past this. Um, verse 20. Think about this. The Lord is saying to them and likening them to a wife who has treacherously committed adultery and departed from her husband. And then he says, you have dealt treacherously with me. This is what I want us to think about here, just for a moment. Do you ever think about how what you do affects the heart of God? You know that we all have this proclivity, this propensity to grieve the heart of God. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. But, you know, we always talk about, we flip this around about how God deals with us. You know how when somebody will say, hey, how's life treating you? I've had some fun with that one. Life's treating me horribly, but God is treating me wonderfully. Yeah, it's a good opportunity sometimes. You'll know right where somebody's at when you try that with them, by the way. How's life treating you? Terribly. But God is treating me wonderfully. Well here God's saying, wait a minute, what about how you treat me? How you deal with me? You've dealt treacherously with me. Again, think about this, and I, uh, this is a hard one, but here it goes. Do you realize that everywhere you go, Everything you see, everything you say, every <laughs> conversation you have, the Holy Spirit's there with you. He sees whatever you see. He hears whatever you say. He watches whatever you do. Boy, that's a game changer, isn't it? Can you just imagine how the Holy Spirit must just wince and like, oh, 
Oh, it's so grievous. So grievous to me. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. Even worse is quenching the Holy Spirit, where you put the fire out, and a fire can be put out in one of two ways. You can either douse it and put it out, or neglect it and put it out and quench it. And we do that with the Holy Spirit in our dealings, treacherously with the Holy Spirit who indwells us. A voice, verse 21, was heard on the desolate heights, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way. They have forgotten the Lord their God. Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Indeed, we do come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Did you notice the order of it? It's not, get your act together, then come to me. You ever heard someone say that? Man, I, you invite them to church, and they always jokingly say something along the lines of, man, if I, if I walked into that church, the walls would cave in. Wow, <laughs> you know, I better clean up my act first. Well, that's as absurd as taking a shower before you take a bath, or taking a bath. No, He cleans you. He heals you. You just come to Him just as you are, and He will heal you. He will heal your backslidings. Ah, one last thing on this, and then we'll move on and finish the chapter and the Bible study. But, you know, when, I'll just use the example of asking someone if they would like to, you know, come to church. You know, you invite them to, to church, and commonly you'll hear something to the effect of, oh man, the church is just full of hypocrites. To which I'll usually respond with something like, well, hey, we can always use one more. Come on in. Let me flip that around the, the other side. You've got Christians who, bear with me, you know, well, well, we're kind of church shopping. You're church shopping? Oh, well, hey. And what comes packaged with the church shopping is, what do you have to offer? Because I'm the consumer. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> this is on the mainland, so don't worry. God's done a work in my heart, is doing a work in my in this regard. I, when I was younger, of course, I had a lot more energy. You know, I thought I was just maturing spiritually and becoming more godly, you know, because I didn't react the way I did, you know, before, back in the day. But I realize now it's not spiritual maturity, it's just age. You just, you know, you look at this thing, you think, yeah, it's not worth it. But when you're younger, yeah, I mean, let's do this, right? So uh, we're church shopping. Oh really? Well, I'm so sorry. We're not a church of consumers. We're a church of communers. So you'll need to find another church. And the good news for you, by the way, this is good. If you're church shopping, you're looking for the perfect church, by the way, if you find the perfect church, don't start going there. You'll ruin it. But I know you've heard that one too. I couldn't resist. But see, just at its very core, I, we're church shopping. Oh, oh, so, so in other words, it's about you. So you're going to go to a church that's going to cater to you. 
that has something to offer to you. Boy, I can save you a lot of time. Because what do we have to offer? (laughs) Well, it's pretty simple. We just simply teach the Bible simply. Oh, do you have programs? We simply teach the Bible simply. Do you have support groups for people whose dogs lost their hamsters? Nope. We simply teach. I know I'm carrying a little bit too far. You get the point, right? Even the pastor, a lot of pressure on the pastor today to perform. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I mean, I. not that I'm not capable. I'm fully capable. I think about what Paul said to the Romans. I know that in my flesh (laughs) that is in me there dwells no good thing. I am rotten through and through. I am fully capable of doing this. But one of the things early on the Lord really ministered to me was, the onus is not on me. I don't have to keep your attention. The Holy Spirit does that. Pressure's off. And by the way, I don't have to grow to the church the onus isn't on me. The Lord adds to the church as many as should be saved. Pressure's off. So what, pray tell then, (laughs) am I supposed? Feed the sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. Preach the word. Preach the word. Do you love me? Preach the word. Feed my sheep. They're starving, you know. Just feed them. That's all you got to do. Preach the word. That's all you got to do. I have the greatest job description in the world, and I'm the most spoiled pastor, by the way, of a church. And I really mean that. I am so spoiled. I just, I am so spoiled. This is such an amazing church, and it's such a privilege and such a joy. And sadly, many pastors cannot say what I just said. So come to the Lord. He will heal your backslidings. That's all you got to do. Truly, verse 23 In vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly, in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. For shame, and I want you to hang on to this word, we're going to see it again here in a moment. Shame has devoured the labor of our fathers from our youth, their flocks and their herds, their sons, and their daughters. We lie down in our shame, and our reproach covers us for, and here it is, aha, alas, we have sinned against the Lord our God. We and our fathers from our youth, even to this day, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. That's godly sorrow that leads to true repentance. Now, this will spill into the first four verses of chapter 4, which Lord willing will get to and through. But I want to end the way we begin in a word, love. Love. I love you so much. Here's the question that's answered with that word, in a word. Why would God, after all that they had done to him, against him, the horrific, unspeakable sin, they committed the wickedness, the evil, why 
would God plead with them, come back, I'll take you back. Love. Love. You still love me after all that I've done? Yeah. In fact, it could be argued in, in some ways he, he loves us even more. Isn't it the sickest child that gets the most attention? Special needs, if you will, if you prefer. This uh, lying down in our shame, our reproach covers us. This is Romans 8.1, by the way, and the entirety of chapter 8 in Romans, by the way. Verse 1, there is therefore now no guilt, no shame, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Key word, those that are in Christ Jesus. This is not available to those who have not come to the Lord, and those that are in the Lord. Because if you come to the Lord and are in the Lord, all of that shame, all of that guilt, all of that condemnation is gone, taken care of, removed as far as the east is from the west, and God remembers them no more. It's been said so aptly so, that when God sees us, He sees not our sin, but His Son. And we are justified. It's just if I'd never sinned. Though our sins be as scarlet, He has made them white as snow. He sees us through His Son, who bore our shame, bore our sin. He took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt, upon Himself and paid for it. And it's finished. It's finished. There's nothing else to talk about. So when, not if we sin, all we have to do is come to Him and confess our sin. As sin, I sinned against you, God. This is sinful, what I've done. But you're a forgiving God. And I am so ashamed. I'm so racked with guilt. I'm so covered in this reproach because I have sinned against you. But God, but God, He forgives. He will always take us back. He's always waiting with open arms at the ready. All we have to do is come back to Him and return to Him. It's that simple. There's almost a somber, reverent, how do I say it? I wish I had the words, <laughs> but there are no words in the English language, as faulty as it is, to adequately articulate and communicate the love that God has for us. He loves us so much. And never imagine that when we sin that God is surprised. And it's already been taken care of if we'll just but come to Him with our sin. You know, in Isaiah, we, that well-known verse, our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. That's pretty graphic in and of itself. But if our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord, what is our sin like before the Lord? Well, we just saw it here. We're going to see it again. Yes, you sinned, but I'm going to forgive you. Just come to me. Return. 
return to me. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you're enjoying these teachings in the book of Jeremiah, we encourage you to continue following through this series with us and to read on your own, too. God may reveal some things to you that you'll find interesting. In Spirit and Truth is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. He also gives prophecy updates weekly that touch on the things happening right now. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you'd like to access any of these things on our mobile app, you can do that too. Go to the Resources tab on our website. You can download from there. That's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Jeremiah. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. But until then, be thinking about what you heard today, what it meant for the people then, and what it means for you today in the here and now. Come learn what's coming up next here on In Spirit and Truth. Truth.